0: Well, it's good to be here, good to be with the warm reception of the congregation that we've had already this day, to hear the music, the singing, uh, to see your wonderful facilities. The Lord has truly blessed the Baptist Church. Don't only just enjoy those blessings that God has blessed you with, but use them mightily as we see His day drawing near. And I really believe that with all my heart. Now, question. How late do we normally go here? Uh, You don't want to say that. (laughs) No, I thought maybe somebody would say, well, uh, 12 o'clock. And I was going to say, ah, you can forget that. So anyway. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 24. Uh, this morning, this evening, we'll be in Matthew 25. I've done a series of messages on the Olivet Discourse. And uh, this one is the third in the series that I have had and um, my own preaching in this passage of scripture, but I do want to cover a little bit of uh, the background leading up to this. Now, if you want something original, you're going to get some of it here today. (laughs) That can be good or bad. I think it's good but what I want us to see here today in my study of this that helped me to properly understand the Olivet Discourse that our Lord gave his disciples, which, by the way, in the fact that he did that, he was not talking to the church. The church was not yet founded. So this is Jewish. Keep that in mind and you'll avoid a lot of mistakes in the Olivet Discourse. You know, in chapter 24, and in verse 31, it says, He shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. That's the north, the south, the east, the west. Okay, that's what he's talking about. And his elect, when the elect is being mentioned in the Gospels, it is not talking about the church. The elect here would be Israel. So keep that in mind. But beginning with the comparison in this passage of Scripture I'm going to look at today, I want you to see first here the the comparison with Noah and the flood, and I see here five examples of grace and judgment as we go through the Olivet Discourse. Noah and the flood is the first. The faithful and watchful servant and the evil servant comparison would be the second example. The third example is what we're going to look at today, the parable of the ten virgins. And then the fourth example would be the parable of the talents. And then finally, the message that we're going to have tonight, I noticed in the bulletin, it said the final judgment. It's not the final judgment, okay? That comes later. But it's the judgment of the nations, or I prefer to say the judgment of the Gentiles. So we'll be looking at that this evening. So five examples, and as you go with your own reading and your own study through the Olivet Discourse, keep that in mind. I think it will open your understanding with that passage. And so with these five examples of grace and judgment, we see the opportunity to be prepared. Now, some of them took that opportunity and they squandered it. They squandered the opportunity which resulted in unpreparedness. And we'll see this starting with Matthew 24, 36 through the rest of the Olivet Discourse. So the first example is Noah in the flood, Matthew 24, 36 through 41. And I'm going to be reading the scripture, so there's no need to read through it at this point in time and then go through it and read it again because I'm going to go through a lot of this verse by verse. Don't worry, I've given this message before and we'll get out on time. You know, I I don't know if your pastor told you or not, but I told him, this was after he had called about uh, coming and speaking, I came down with a case of COVID on the 28th of December. It's okay, it's been almost two weeks now, so well well past it. And I'm I'm having a... uh, medical procedure early tomorrow morning. I'm not gonna go into detail, don't worry, Mary, I'm not gonna to give, give too much information here. But I had to have some pre-op testing and I went in to see my doctor and I told her, I said, you know, I, I'm coming off COVID. And I said, I followed the protocols of the Truth For Health Foundation. Now, I don't know how many of you know who they are, know who Dr. McCullough is, and some of the other doctors associated with that. And I told her about the vitamins that I was taking and how I had some ivermectin and took the ivermectin. And she was struggling with uh, coming down with something. She was losing her voice. And she told me, it doesn't work. I said, well, it worked for me. (laughs) And I said, and it worked for my wife last year. So, anyway, uh, it's a a tough and different world in the medical community today. I will be touching upon this a little bit later in the message, so I don't want anybody here to take offense if you have received the jab, okay? But I feel compelled uh, to talk about it a little bit. So the first example of grace and judgment is with Noah and the flood. Verse 36 of Matthew 24 says, But of that day and hour no no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. This is Jesus talking. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. He's telling us something here. His coming back to the earth is going to be like that. Then he says, Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill The one shall be taken, and the other one left. Now, we don't need to turn there, but back in Genesis, in chapter 6, we're given the account of what happened there, but what I want to mention here, you know, the marrying and giving a marriage, the eating and drinking, pretty normal things, aren't they? Things that we see in our life today. It's normal. So what was wrong with it? Well, there was nothing wrong with it in itself. What was wrong was what it says in Genesis 6.5. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination and thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You know, it was like on the news last night, they had this thing with Uh, The Legos. And they had some pretty impressive things there that they did with the Legos. But, you know, it seems like we have so many things that we do today, but they're all things that leave God out of the equation. Our thoughts are not about him. Our thoughts are only evil continually. And, of course, it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And I took a little rabbit trail yesterday when I was, you know, looking over the message again. And I told Mary, I said, you know, I said, uh, you know, talked about Enoch. Enoch was 65 when Methuselah was born. And you know who the oldest person in the Bible was, right? Methuselah. (laughs) And Enoch was 365 when God, it says, took him. I just want you to know that the word took here is not the same as what we're looking at back here in Matthew. He translated him, we're told, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5. And that's what's going to happen with us. We're going to be translated as the church to meet the Lord in the air. Well, Methuselah was also 187 when Lamech was born. He was 369 when Noah was born. That puts things in a little bit different perspective, doesn't it? You know who else was still alive? Adam. I mean, all the way back to being created, he can relate the story, and all these generations were told the story. You wonder about the Canite civilization though, right? You know, he killed his brother and the Lord thrust him away from the rest of them. And they had a pretty technological civilization. They were musical as well. But they were godless. And Lamech was 182 when Noah was born. And he died at 777. Noah was 500 when he begot children. He was 595 when Lamech died. Methuselah was 964 when Lamech died. Well, that means that Methuselah was going to be alive how many more years? Five more years, right? Because he lived to be 969. And notice that I mentioned Noah was 595 when Limech died. He was 600 when the flood came. What's that tell us about Methuselah? He died the year the flood came. And there are some scholars that will say, well, you know, his name means when he dies, it will come, the flood. And surely that's what happened. And I was thinking about having, you know, two women come up and sit in the front seat and then a man sit in the same row and then over here two men and another man. And for the purpose of what? Well, we'll get to it because it says, as it was in Noah's day. So will it be before the glorious coming of the Lord. Two men will be in the field, notice I said men, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Well, what's this taken? Is this the rapture of the church? No. No. And there are some in our circles that still don't have this clear in their mind. They think it is talking about the rapture, but it is not. How do I know that? Well, because he tells me here that in verse 39, they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. Where were they taken to? They were taken to the flood. They were taken to the waters. They were drowned. Some of them eaten by fish. Interesting. Interesting. And so it is when we're told that there shall be two in the field, one taken and the other left the same with the mill. Taken. In Noah's day, the individuals who will be taken are the wicked, whom the Lord will take away in judgment. Turn with me over to Luke chapter 17. Luke 17. And look at verse 34. In Luke's account, we're told, starting in verse 34, I tell you, in that night there shall be two men in one bed, the one shall be taken, the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together, the one shall be taken, the other left. Two men shall be in the field, the one shall be taken, and the other left and they answered and said unto him where lord and he said unto them wherever the body is there will the eagles be gathered together what's he telling us here where the bodies are where the carcasses are there the the carrion the vultures they're coming and they're coming to eat that tells us they're being taken away and they're going to be executed. And I will talk about that more later and also this evening. They are not going into the millennium. This is the picture here. The Lord is coming back to the earth. And there's going to be a judgment. And it's the judgment that determine who goes in to the millennial kingdom and who doesn't? It's a matter of mathematics. Two minus one leaves one. Or we like to say two take away one leaves one. So the ones who are taken away are taken to judgment The ones who are left will go into the millennial kingdom. Now you know why I say it's a Jewish message. It's a Jewish message because he was talking to his Jewish brothers and his disciples about this very thing. They will go into the kingdom, the ones that are left. Why? because they avail themselves of the gospel of the kingdom. And if you look over in chapter 24, verse 14, and it says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, then shall the end come. That's the 144,000 that God is going to seal and save in the beginning of the tribulation period because God always has a witness. And some will believe the message and they will receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and so they are therefore prepared for His return. But as the wicked are taken away in judgment, And we see that Noah was left on the earth, wasn't he? He had to go through the flood, but he was left on the earth. Israel will have to go through the tribulation period. Do you remember how many of them will be destroyed during the tribulation period? When it talks about when Jerusalem is rifled, ravaged, sacked, basically... Two-thirds die. Awesome to think about. You know, we're told in the book of Revelation that in two different instances of how much of the world's population dies, it'll be approximately half. If we're, say, 8 billion people, you're talking 4 billion people are going to die during that time. The world's never seen anything like that. Possibly the flood. I don't know how many were alive at that time. There were quite a few on the earth at that time. But the scriptures tells us it'll be like nothing we've ever seen before. And so it's like, no, he's left on the earth. So the wicked will be judged and removed when Christ returns and the ones who are left go into the millennial kingdom. The wicked don't avail themselves of the gospel of the kingdom. They don't receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior and therefore they're unprepared at his return. The Lord's message for those Jews who will go through the tribulation is to watch, give strict attention to, is what it says in the original. And be ready. And be ready means to be prepared. Now in verses 45 through 41 of Matthew 24, the Lord gives us a second example in the parable of the faithful and wise servant compared with the evil servant. This corresponds to those who the Lord has made rulers over others. Positions of authority. They have the same opportunity to respond to the gospel of the kingdom. They have the same opportunity to watch and make ready or prepare for the Lord's return. The faithful and wise will respond to the message by faith in receiving Christ as their Savior. They demonstrate their faith by using their power to help others during the tribulation period. That'll take some guts. You know, and it took some guts for some people in our day who were told that if they do not take the jab, they can't keep their job. That took guts for them to say, no, this is a decision that I am making about my own body I do not want this, and they were placed under the penalty of losing their job. So, they demonstrated their faith by using their power to help others. The faithful and wise will be prepared for the Lord's return, and will have ruling authority, according to the scriptures, during the millennium. Now, the evil servants will not watch and make ready. They demonstrate their unbelief of the Lord's coming by their association with the evildoers and mistreating those who needed their help. The evil servants will be unprepared when the Lord comes back. And I'll use this this passage tonight because it says, that person will be cut in two. He'll be cut asunder, executed. They will not go into the millennial kingdom, but will be dispatched, along with the other pretenders, to a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now in verse or chapter 25, verses 1 through 13, we get to what I wanted to talk about today. Our Lord gives us the third example of grace and judgment in the parable of the ten virgins. And this is another passage that I struggled with for years, and I'm sure many of you have also. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. And so we now have the kingdom of heaven now on earth with Jesus Christ as king. When he comes back the next time, and I'm talking to the earth, he comes back as king. Not as the lowly, humble servant, but as king. And this is being compared to the parable of the ten virgins. In other words, this is what it will be like when Christ comes again to the earth at the end of the tribulation. Here we have Israel pictured as ten virgins who are awaiting the return of the bridegroom. Now who is the bride? We are. (laughs) The church. And When the bridegroom comes to the earth, guess what? The bride's coming with him. We're coming back again with Christ. We'll see that again this evening in Revelation 19. In Jesus' parable, he as king will return from heaven with his bride, the church, in order to enter the millennium. And it won't be just that. It will be defeating the armies of the Antichrist at the end of the tribulation period. And I hope you notice there in that passage in Revelation, we're not carrying any weapons. We've got the white robes, but we don't need any weapons because the one who's out front, Christ, he speaks and his tongue is sharp as a sword. And he says, but the word, and they're destroyed. There will be some Jews who survive the tribulation and will be some of the invited guests who are privileged to share in the wedding feast. Yes, I believe that the wedding feast will be here on earth. The wedding will be in heaven, but I believe the feast will be here. Here again in this parable we have watching and waiting with a strong emphasis on those being either prepared or unprepared. I want you to notice that all ten virgins took their lamps or torches. Look down in the scriptures here. Verse 3, They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Interesting. Why would you bother taking your lamp if you're not going to take any oil with you? you, You're not going to be able to use it. Not too smart. But we'll see that they were moochers a little bit later. At least they tried to be. So all ten took their lamps. All ten went forth to meet the bridegroom. They went to meet him at the wedding feast. And the bride, which is the church, will be with the bridegroom. We see that these ten virgins do not represent the church. In Revelation 19, verses 7 through 16, just before the Lord and the church descend from heaven to defeat the armies of the beast and the false prophet, we're told by John the Apostle, he says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. Now, granted, we're not so clean and white today as we should be, are we? But in that day, when we meet Him in the air and we receive our glorified bodies and the sin nature is gone forever, we'll be clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And what was the righteousness that we do? We received the righteous Savior into our heart and our life. That's what makes us righteous. And he said unto them, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. This is John now. And he said unto me, See that you do it not. For I am your fellow servant and of your brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And then also it says in that passage, he says, "Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. You know, I used to think that was the name of the horse. <laughs> see, see how things change as we get older? See how we grow in the faith? He that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. Why was it dipped in blood? And his name is called the Word of God. That dipped in blood was a message for another time. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes forth a sharp sword, and with it he smites the nations. It's just astounding to me that the nations are there, knowing he's coming back, and they think they're going to take him on. That's why in, in Psalm 2, why do the heathen rage? The Lord's going to have them in derision. He laughs. He is the almighty God. And he's going to rule during the millennium with a rod of iron. There's not going to be any of this pitter patter that goes on today. When it's right, it's right. And when it's wrong, it's wrong. And it will be dealt with by the Lord. And it will absolutely be right. He's going to tread the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're told in verse 2 here in Matthew 25, that five of the virgins were wise. Why were they wise? Well, this represents the believing Jewish remnant. We're also told that five of the virgins were foolish. This represents the unbelieving Jews. Now, it's interesting to me that the word that's used here for foolish is moros. Sounds like another word we have in our English language, doesn't it? Morons. And that's exactly what they are. And we look around today and we see some of the things that go on today. It's insane. It's against all common sense. They're morons. They are. They're foolish. They're not mindful of their own interests. They miss it. In verse 3, we're told here that the foolish took their torches and no oil with them. Truly, this was moronic, foolish. It's like watching the three stooges plus two. They're totally unprepared. In verse 4, we see the wise taking oil in their vessels with their torches. They're prepared. The five wise versions took what was available to all ten. It was available. They just didn't acquire it, make use of it. I think they wanted to move. The oil was available, and these five appropriated it to themselves the five wise. The message of Christ's coming will be preached in all the world during the tribulation. All will have the same opportunity to avail themselves and so be prepared for when the bridegroom comes back. Some will be wise and receive it, while others will be foolish, and they think that they can meet the Lord without receiving it. I don't recommend the foolish option. Not good. In verse 5, we're told that while the bridegroom tarried, you know, he's he's gonna linger for how many years? I'm talking the tribulation of seven years. They all slumbered and slept, kind of like the apostles in the Garden of Eden, or not the Garden of Eden, Garden of Gethsemane. And like the churches today who are slumbering and sleeping as the global reset is being done in all nations, as their governments are being overtaken by tyrants, using a pandemic, as they label it. And did you know that just recently, a few days ago, our government pushed out the health mandate? It's still here, folks. They haven't got rid of it, and they're still using it for their own benefit. The freedoms and the liberties that were given by God to us are being replaced by self-appointed gods who want to run your life and my life. And you must submit or face the consequences which they decree. They've lied about the therapeutics, the so-called vaccines, the cases, the hospitalizations, and the deaths. They've lied about it. It's going to come out, though. We've got a different Congress there in the House of Representatives, and they're going to investigate this and bring out the truth. They lied about where it came from. They have suppressed all discussion that differs from their own narrative. There are studies that they have suppressed that show uh, cheaper drugs, such as hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, and were used successfully. And I can testify to you personally and honestly as one who tried it, and my wife did too, and we can testify to you that it worked. Within 24 hours, I could tell the difference after taking the first couple of ivermectin. They lied to about azithromycin and prednisone that also helped patients recover. We used doxycycline. And you know, there were some people who wanted to help us. Some in the medical community. But they were afraid. Please don't say anything. Where you got this? Because they were afraid what might come back on them. They have kept these things from you. And they would have unvaccinated take shots against their wills that's each individual's own personal decision the problems associated with these shots have been downplayed it's starting to come out now my wife and I with the materials that we had access to the groups that we had access we knew about this two years ago it's now coming out to the general public The problems associated with these jobs are downplayed and regular health care, what I call regular health care, what I was used
1: to for most of my life, is being denied. They've literally let people die
0: and there's more death on the horizon and the elites just don't care. What do you mean they let them die? Because they knew these studies and did not use these therapeutics that could help these people. But it was like I was told before my wife got sick and I called the family doctor and I said I didn't get to talk to the doctor, it was the staff. If it would befall me, what do I do? Well, you quarantine for ten days. And when you have problems breathing, go to the the
1: ER, and they'll put you on remdesivir and ventilator. And most went through that, didn't make it. They're
0: bringing in their new image of a world that will be their world. And they don't care whether you or I like it or not. It is of
1: the devil who our Lord said was a murderer from the beginning, and he abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. They are like their father the devil. The lusts of their father they are doing. stand up against these evil, wicked tyrants. We need to stand up for our God-given rights. Don't fear those who are only able to kill the body,
0: but fear Him who is able to destroy those soul in hell.
1: God will be with us. I'm going through a procedure I
0: mentioned tomorrow. I'm placing myself In God's name. I told a friend of mine yesterday, just like the movie The Alamo, where at the end they sang the song, Safe in the Arms of the Lord. That's where I'll be.
1: I don't have to worry. We need to look at things differently. Don't submit and don't bow to the tyranny that
0: they're trying to put on us today. God said, I am the Lord your God, which has brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall
1: have no other God before me. And I don't care what these people think. They're not my God.
0: And I'm not going to follow their decree. I shall not make unto you any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in water under the earth you shall not bow down yourself to them or serve them. And, by the way, concerning their false claims concerning climate change, which they're also using to take away your freedom and my freedom and your finances and my finances and all oh, by the way, you, know, you shouldn't have a gas stove in your house. You shouldn't be cooking with gas. They stand opposed to God's word in Genesis eight twenty two, where He says, "While the earth remains, steep time and harvest, cold
1: and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease." We need to let God be true and every man a liar. Verse six. In the middle of the night a cry was made. Behold, the bridegroom is here. Go out to meet him. Notice how this is different from
0: the passage from the rapture First Thessalonians 4, 13-17. It says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning the which are asleep. And you know what? There's a lot I know now that when I was younger as a Christian I used to say, well, I don't know too many people
1: in heaven. Guess what? I know quite a few now. They're in heaven, they're with the Lord. And I just to about, you know, I, I want to be part of the, the rapture. I don't want to miss the rapture. I'm not going to miss it. If I become one of those who fall asleep in the Lord, guess what? I'm coming with them. Because what does it say as I read on?
0: For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even though also them that sleep in Jesus will God bring with them. For this we say as you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. <laughs> and with the voice of the archangel,
1: and with the trump of God's... Not Donald Trump, by the way. (laughs) And the dead in Christ shall rise first. See? There's a bonus. If if we don't live until the
0: rapture, there's a bonus. We're going to rise first. Then Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So obviously, the passage of First Thessalonians is not the same event as verse six and seven here in Matthew 25. Verse seven says that all those virgins arose; they awakened from their sleep, and they trimmed and made ready their torches. Uh, here comes the foolish verse eight. The foolish said unto the wise,
1: Give us of your oil, for our torches have gone out. <laughs> I like their answer. The wise answer verse 9. No. Perhaps it won't be enough for us and you. But
0: instead, go to them itself and buy for yourselves. It was there in the beginning that's what we had to do. We went, we bought and got some for ourselves. You could do the same. In verse ten, and while they went to buy, what happened? The bridegroom came. And they that were ready, and again the word here is prepared, went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut.
1: What other times, scripture do you remember when the door was shut? No. And who shut it? God shut it. And who shut this door? None other than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The door was shut. The ones who were prepared went in with the bridegroom. They went in to the marriage feast. These will enter into the millennial kingdom. Verses
0: 11 through 13. Afterward came also
1: the other. an everlasting judgment.
0: We're going to look at that this evening, as I mentioned before, because we'll be looking not at the final judgment, but the millennial judgment to see who goes into the millennium. It's the judgment of the nations, the judgment of the Gentiles, and also there's. Of Israel, but we're going to look briefly tonight at another passage in the Old Testament that talks about
1: the judgment that's coming for Israel. Or they going to be the scripture talked about a pass under the rod. You know, Matthew 7, 21 through 23 it says, Not everyone says unto me. Lord, Lord, shall enter into my kingdom or into the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? There are some who have stood behind the They're going to find themselves in the same situation. Lord, Lord, didn't we preach for you? What a sad thing to think about. And in your name have cast out demons. And in your name have done many wonderful works. But Lord, I I, in service. I, Lord, I. I, I put money in, in, in the offering of every week. And Those are good things. Those are good things. So if that's what you're facing, your salvation, my dear, and your life is. I've wonderful works. And then why I professed in the Bible? I never Answered said to him, This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he has sent. So Being applied. Coats of skins for them. After that, the culture came to be the mother of all living. It couldn't come through the man because if it came through the man, we'd have a problem. Because things passed through the man. That's why we had to have the bird and go. Come through the man. Came through the woman and the Holy Spirit as he did that wondrous work in her virgin birth. The watch therefore, for you never know the day nor the hour. you remember a time in your life that you realized and you agreed with the Lord that you were a sinner and deserved His judgment? But you also realized that Jesus Christ took on your sins and my sins and died on our You're up.